Good morning. Isn't it good to be here? Amen. I'm glad that you are here in the Lord's house. If you're watching, hello. Oh, boogers. Um, can you help us out, man? Yeah. <laughs> um, well, it's pointing down to the ground. <laughs> it's only showing Sister Vicky. That's okay. That's all right. Um, we <laughs> if you're watch if you're watching Sister Vicky, then you know hello. <laughs> there you go. Bless it. Um, yes, bless it. Anyway, we are glad that you are here. That you have decided to be in the Lord's house. That uh, you have gotten up this morning. And again, if y'all are there, those who are online watching Sister Vicky, then um, you know we wish you were here with us. Come on now. We want you to be here next week if you can be. Uh, next week is first Sunday meal, so keep that in mind. Make some uh, make some good stuff for first Sunday meals and bring some people with you so that we can all fellowship together. Amen. And um, this way, <laughs> this way, and down a little. Okay, I think that's right. Rhonda, can you see? Okay, good. Yes, Rhonda says that's good. So great, thank you. Uh, not only can he take up prayer requests, but he can also move, he can adjust things. He is available for hire. Yeah, not for free. To everybody, but anyway, um, <laughs> thank you. So next week is for Sunday meal. Also, we have, uh, if you have not yet brought your things for the shoeboxes, this month is a ball or a doll. And next month is school supplies because, bless us, we're going back to school. So uh, if you have not yet purchased anything or you've already bought things for the month of July and you'd like to start getting things for August school supplies or our goal, they're on the cheap right now because everybody's going back to school. So you can get a bunch of stuff. You set yourself a, a budget and work within that budget, you, you can get a lot. So pencils for 10 cent or stuff like that so please do bring some school supplies and any other announcements we will let you know uh, different things going on you know closer to the end of the year and we are in the second half of the year can you imagine so <laughs> yeah that's amazing um this is i don't know if y'all like the olympics i just i really enjoy the olympics i i really like anything that is kind of rare so like fireworks and um, snow and things that only come around ev ever so often so I really enjoyed the Olympics 
And Friday night, they're going on right now. They started on Friday, and they're going for two weeks. And on Friday night, Shane and I were watching the Parade of Nations. Yep, y'all, y'all watch this. Yeah. Oh, do y'all ever watch this? Okay. Anyway, so inside the Olympic Stadium, normally there are thousands and tens of thousands of people, uh, see, you know, spectators seated around watching the Parade of Nations. And, and this year they weren't able to because of COVID, but, but all the different nations are announced and if they have just a few delegates, then all the delegates get to come. Or if they had a lot of delegates, then sometimes they, they split it up. Well, this year they split it up, and not everybody got to come in. But it shows, and, you know, they tell a little bit about each country and about their um, their clothing that they're wearing, if they're wearing any kind of native clothing. Or they they tell different facts about the the Olympians who have been from that country and if they've won anything or, or not. And... As I'm watching this, I'll just, and uh, the United States was third from last. So it was the U.S., France, and then Tokyo. So we watched the entire thing. And as it's going on, I was just, I was just so moved. It's like, wow, this is amazing. This is so great. And I, I don't, I don't know why, because again, it wasn't national pride, because we were third to last, but as I was watching, it was just, the, and it hit me, this is what heaven will be like, that there will come a time that I can just imagine, and because they have greeters, they have people from from Tokyo, uh, because that's where it's being hosted right now, they had greeters standing on each side of the aisle, and as the people came in, they were holding the flag of their country, and they were you know, coming in, waving to everyone, and the people who were there greeting them, they were just so excited and, and waving hello. And I thought, that's what heaven will be like, that we're going to come in. And, and maybe, you know, I don't know how we'll be grouped um, by country or whatever, but as we come in and that there will be people greeting us from that place, people greeting us and saying hello and they're so excited as this. And as we come in, that just in awe of where we are and that we, we've worked so very hard and sacrificed and done so many different things to be able to be in that place and how amazing that will be to finally be able to be to, in heaven. And that's why I believe that I, I got kind of, because it's just a foretaste. <laughs> this this thing on earth that is a, a shining example of what we will we will see hopefully very, very soon. Amen. Let's stand this morning and go to the Lord in prayer. Ask him to have his will in the service. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness, your mercy, your blessings, and grace. God, we are so grateful that one day we will be able to be with you in heaven. God, that we're going to be able to see you forever and be in your presence and dwell there with you in, in constant praise and constant fellowship. God, we're so grateful for that. But God, while we have to be here on earth, we just ask that everything that we say and do would honor and please you. God, I pray for each person who has come in today. God, that they would surrender their burdens to you, each and every person who's watching online, that they would just release all of their hurts and their cares and surrender themselves to you. God, I pray that your will be done in everything that is said and done today, from the very first prayer to the very last prayer, that you be lifted up. Father, I pray that you would save souls, change lives, deliver us, give us wisdom through your word today. We thank you, we praise you in Jesus' precious holy name. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.
Will be forever mine. 
will be forever mine. You are forever mine. Thank you, Jesus. Give him praise this morning for his amazing grace. Thank you, Lord. Welcome to the Cornelius Church of God. We're glad to have all of you with us this morning. It's good to see you all here. It's time to receive our tithe and offering. If our ushers will come at this time. Brother Joyner, do you feel like saying the blessing over the offering for us this morning? Do you feel? see all y'all this morning. I know we have a bunch of people traveling and on vacation and coming home this weekend and some coming from the beach as well. So pray that they make it home safe. It's now time to receive prayer requests this morning. Brother Mike. Yes, sir. So she'll be able to see after that, you said. <laughs> Sister Sugar.
want to pray for my mom. Uh, she wasn't feeling well yesterday. Um, I don't know if it's blood sugar or what, but she has, uh, I think, a doctor's appointment Tuesday. And pray that everything comes out. And if there's something wrong, that they find it. And I have some coworkers at work that have some family members sick. And uh, we need to pray for them. Any um, unspoken? I'm sorry, Sister Shelby. Unspoken prayer. Stand with me. fellowship.
by the Lord in this place. Hallelujah. Good morning. Uh-oh. Did, well, babe, you could sit with her. Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't be trying to drag people from one side to the other. It's just classic. Anyway, yes, we are. Again, thank you for being here. I'm glad you're here. Glory. So, continuing talking about faith like well last week and thanks mom and I I learned a few things myself I was I was glad but um I took my for the <laughs> I took my test so that mom gave me a a week respite so that I could study 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 and I took my um my ordained minister's exam on Monday so amen and I passed so that was good <laughs> yes thank you Jesus um but back to it now. I don't know when I'll get my actual certificate. You know, who who knows? Maybe a while. But um, but I did take the exam. <laughs> so, uh, but we are continuing to talk about faith. And today, I'm taking a look at uh, a certain type of faith that we see very often. And this this not because I am preaching it. Not not because it's me. But I. If if there are people here, if there are people here who who know that there are people who need to hear this, please send this to somebody or tell them to get on. Because as I was studying this, there were some things that I've I've learned, I've seen expanded in this that hit me, and I want everybody to to know this. So again, not because it's me, but because it's good stuff it is good word so last time that we discussed faith we talked about the dangers of hidden faith and the way to to get out of hidden faith is that we always to pray we must not faint and we must make our request known so those are the ways that we can keep our faith from being hidden we we know that from Luke chapter 18 now we're going in the chapter behind it. We're going to Luke 17 today. We're going to take a look at the kind of faith that we have heard of so many times. The faith that is like a mustard seed. So immediately when we think about mustard seed faith, we, we go to this idea of moving mountains and casting them into the sea and and ripping up stuff and mountain moving you know, all this this of this this mustard seed faith and how powerful it is if we're not careful we miss the point of what Jesus was saying was Jesus trying to create a league of terrain transformers no 
We get caught up in this terminology, mountain-moving faith, mustard-seed faith, but what does it really mean? We, again, we're thinking, and, and Michael, if you watch this, I doubt he's watching right this second, but he, he just loves this subject of mustard-seed faith. Oh, just a tiny little bit of faith, and it's going to do this and this and this. He just he has a, a great time with that. But Michael, if you're listening, keep listening because I've learned a lot about this. Lord help us. So looking in Luke chapter 17, starting in verse 1, verses 1 through 4, they say, Then said he unto the disciples, It is impossible, but that offenses will come. But woe unto him through whom they come. It were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck, and he cast into the sea, than he should offend one of these little ones. Take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. And if he repent, forgive him. And if he trespass against thee seven times a day and seven times in a day, turn again to thee, saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. We were in Brother Mike's class on Wednesday, and we were talking about forgiveness. Got into that. It was good stuff. See, the Lord knows. So Jesus begins this talk by teaching about forgiveness. It is inevitable that offenses will occur. In this case, offenses mean scandal. The, also, it means trap stick, a bent sapling that causes someone to trip. It's used in the New Testament as stumbling block or rock of offense. It's the same word every time we see this in the New Testament, stumbling block, rock of offense. It is some type of thing that makes people stumble. In certain cases, it's referring to Jesus, that he was the rock of offense and the stone of stumbling, that those who believed that, that the Messiah would come one way, when they heard about Jesus, they couldn't accept him as the Messiah. It was a stumbling block in their minds because they couldn't accept him for who he was. They tripped over the truth of Jesus, that he didn't come as a conquering king, but as a humble servant. So in this case, though, He's saying it's inevitable that offenses, scandals, traps, difficulties will happen. It's inevitable. He says, but be careful that you are not the one to offend. So how often are we the bad guy in our story? Shane and I were talking about this just earlier this week. You know, oftentimes as we're reading the Bible, we don't put ourselves in the situation of the Pharisee. I'm not the Pharisee in, in that parable. I'm not the bad guy in this story that I'm telling. I'm not the one who did anything wrong. I'm the one who was hurt and offended and upset. But we never know when we're the bad guy in someone else's story. Sometimes we do things and we don't understand. We don't realize how much we've hurt someone we don't realize how our words have stung them. We don't realize how our actions have made them feel ostracized or, or left out or upset. We don't know. So oftentimes, this is us. We're the ones who are causing that stumbling block or that rock of offense. and We don't even know it. A rock of offense could lead to a millstone. Jesus said that it would be better 
to be cast into the sea with an anchor around our neck than to trip up one of the little ones. Little ones here means small in age, rank, or size. He uses this word to refer to children, but also it means those who are weaker in the faith, who are not as mature. So Jesus is saying it's better to be cast into the sea than for you to offend, for you to trip up someone who is not strong in their faith. So pause for a moment and ask yourself honestly, how often have I offended? And how much has it mattered to me that I've offended? In my anxiousness to be right, sometimes it's, it's better to be kind than to insist on our rightness. And I'm preaching to myself when I say that. The thing is, I, I think about the people, the, the friends of mine, because I always have been a black and white type of person. And... It's this is right, and this is absolutely, completely wrong, and shame on you for doing this. And I think about the times when I was younger, and I did not have nearly as much wisdom as I do now, I hope. Um, I hope that I have lots of wisdom now. But I think about the times that I would say, oh, you shouldn't be doing that. You know, oh, that's terrible. Why are you, you know, and just being so so dogmatic and I'm not saying that we should not speak the truth in love that we should not stand against sin but there were some things that I remember saying that was like just calm down just just it's gonna be okay sometimes pastor talks about sister ushery who said you know we've hurt so many people by telling them well bless God you're wearing pants and you're going to hell or, you know, shame on you for having short hair. Shame on you for having long hair. We offend people, and we didn't, we didn't understand. We didn't mean to, but it, it hurt them. Lord, help us. I, I come back to a story that I heard about Pastor Loren Livingston. He's the, the pastor of Central Church of God, and he talks about the fact that his, he grew up in a very, very legalistic church. And, you know, the, the long hair and the, the long hair for the women, the short hair for the men, and, and it was very very rules oriented and then his mom had cancer and that she had had to have surgery and she was not he said her hair was was down to her knees i had always been and that every day you know she would brush out her hair and make it nice and pretty maybe put it in a in a braid or a bun or something but then when she got cancer and she had been she had had surgery she wasn't able to do that anymore because she wasn't able to lift her arm up to brush all that long hair and that she had to cut her hair and that when she went to church the next time all the ladies in the church ostracized her and that the pastor of the church asked her to stand up and apologize and how badly that it hurt that something that we're so bent on our rules that we can't see that people are hurting. 
And that hits me every time I think about it because she did. She st- he said that she stood up in front of the church and she said, I'm sorry, I didn't know what else to do. And it would have been better if a millstone had been tied around somebody's neck than to hurt her in that way. And Lord, help us. Lord, help us when we hurt and offend. We belong to one another. We may not like, we may not like it, we may be trying to ignore it, but we have a responsibility to other believers. A responsibility of prayer, a responsibility of support, a responsibility of love. Jesus said, by this will you know, the world know that you're my disciples by your love one to another. So when we disregard the feelings of a weaker brother or sister and chalk it up to our personality or to them being overly sensitive or some other excuse, is that really truly loving? Please understand that I am not advocating walking on eggshells around people or people acting like snowflakes. You know, if I forgot to shake your hand this morning... If you go home and write about me on social media, that's a problem. <laughs> you know, bless God, Jennifer didn't shake my hand. Um, and there are people like that. And if that's the case, y- you need some deliverance over something. But I'm saying in a, in a way of not intentionally hurting anyone. We do not know the pain that people are going through right now so they don't need to be hurt anymore in this setting or even when we're out in the world when we're at our jobs or or spending time with with people who are outside of the church we don't need to offend because we have no idea what people are going through notice too that jesus acknowledged our pain he said if a brother someone you are close to a fellow believer would trespass against you trespass here meaning miss the mark do wrong violate god's law if a believer trespass if a brother trespass against you we are to notice what he says trespass against the you are to ignore it act like nothing happened things are fine no we're good no Let's see. I'm looking at the... Oh, oh, okay. Uh, You should talk junk about that person behind their back and let everybody else know what they did to hurt you. Is this not what it says? Oh. Okay, that's not what it says. We should rebuke that person. Oh, my. Admonish and reprove. But also the word rebuke carries with it a sense of honor this word rebuke does not only mean to reprove or to correct but it also means to raise the price of so when we are rebuking someone it is not in the effort of tearing them down jesus uses this word to indicate to us when you rebuke someone it's to lift them up to raise the price of this person. 
it's to give encouragement to this person. Look, that kind of hurt my feelings. So how about next time, let's do something different. Instead of, I don't want to ever talk to you again and shame on you and you hurt me and don't ever speak to me. But we're raising the price. We're helping someone to get better for the next time. If that person repents, he says, if that person be begins to think differently, if they repent after you have rebuked them in love, forgive them. Here, forgive means let it go, keep no longer, give up the debt. But it also can mean to separate from or to walk away. Now, I believe that Jesus was meaning the sense of forgiveness like we think to let it go, to keep no longer, to give up the debt. Then he says, if they continue to mess up but still come back for forgiveness, provide the forgiveness. They come back, they mess up seven times, you come back and ask forgiveness seven times, forgive them. But again, there's also a connotation in this word forgive to separate oneself. So if for your own mental health, if that person keeps on and on and on, for your own mental health, if you need to separate yourself from that person, that's what that word means. Lord, help us. Use that wisely. I'm not saying write off every person, but there is within that word the idea that we can, that we are allowed to do that. So what does that have to do with faith? Because we're talking about mustard seed faith, right? So all about forgiveness and why are we talking about this when faith is the goal. Take a look at verses 5 and 6. And the apostle said unto the Lord, increase our faith. And the Lord said, If ye had faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye might say unto the sycamine tree, Be thou plucked up by the root, and be thou planted in the sea, and it should obey thee. So, after the disciples heard the instruction of Jesus, notice his use of apostle here instead of disciple. It could be due to the fact that Luke was written mm, about third in the line of the gospel writers, and he was writing in conjunction with the book of Acts, which was all about the apostles. So that's just one thing to note, that he says apostles instead of disciples, but we will use those interchangeably. But once they heard this instruction of Jesus, don't offend, and if you're offended, then rebuke in love, and then keep forgiving. Once they heard this, they said, Oh, Lord, increase our faith. We're really going to need some faith if we're going to be able to do this. So, they had to be willing to offer forgiveness for those who had offended them. They had to be on their guard in their actions so as not to cause offense. And they didn't really know how to do all that. 
I mean, I don't know if y'all really know how to do all that. <laughs> Lord, increase my faith. So Jesus explains this type of faith to them. The type of faith that it would take to accomplish such a task. What was going to take to get through living life among other believers. <laughs> he says you're going to need faith like a mustard seed. In this situation, Luke records that this type of faith should be able to uproot a sycamine tree. In the other reference about, uh, about the mustard seed faith, that's in, you don't have to turn there, but if you're taking notes, that's in Matthew chapter 17, uh, specifically verse 20, talks about this moving, the, this type of faith moving a mountain. He says that if they had, in that particular context, the disciples had been trying to cast out a demon from a young boy. They kept, the demon kept throwing him into the fire. And the father brought the son to Jesus and said, your disciples couldn't heal him, can you? And he asked a, a few questions, and then he cast the demon out. And later the disciples were, were questioning Jesus, why is it that we were not able to cast this demon out? And he said, well, if you had faith as a grain of mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, be thou removed, and it would be removed, and nothing should be impossible to you, but this comes by prayer and fasting. So he gives us, Matthew gives us the formula for getting this type of mustard seed faith, but we're going to look more into the idea here that Luke gives us. It could be possible that this was kind of the same illustration, the same time, and they just had two different perspectives on it. But I'd like to think that this is something that Jesus had as a doctrine, as something that he wanted to teach regularly. So that these are two specific accounts of him saying, have some mustard seed faith. So, let's take a look. The sycamine and the mustard seed. The sycamine tree was very closely related to a sycamore tree. They were both used medicinally. The sycamine was just a little bit different. And a person like Luke, who we know as a physician, would have known the difference and stated the difference. These trees were 30 to 40 feet tall with wide spreading branches it would have been a really good treehouse tree because the branches they spread really 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 wide this was the same family of tree that Zacchaeus climbed up to be able to see Jesus so very very tall strong sturdy trees the wood of a sycamine was often used to make coffins they have found in ancient dig sites in Egypt some of the coffins that were used were, were made of sycamine wood. It's in the same family as figs and mulberries. Sometimes in the Bible it's referred to as a, sycama a sycamore fig. It's the same general family. But the fruit of a sycamine tree was known to be bitter. It could be eaten in small portions but was often used medicinally instead of actual consumption. So the, the fruit of this tree looked a lot like 
the fruit from a sycamore fig or from a mulberry tree, but those were expensive fruits that rich people would have been able to purchase, but a sycamine fig would have been a much cheaper fruit that the poorer people would have purchased. And again, as I'm reading, as I'm studying this, it was that people could take just very small little bites of it at a time because it was so bitter. It was available for consumption, but again, it would not taste very good. The roots of this tree were some of the widest of all the trees in the Middle East. The root system of this genus is known to be aggressive and invasive. This matters, okay? So I want you like, why are you telling us about this botany lesson? But this matters. The roots were known to be aggressive and invasive. There were ancient laws stating how close you were allowed to plant one of these types of trees near a neighbor's property because the root system would spread so much and that even modern-day sycamore trees would dig up uh, sidewalks, will mess up um, sewer lines, anything like that that, could be, that it could spread out and, and crush or drag up. So it was near those ancient whales. People were not allowed to plant a sycamine tree near a whale because it could destroy the whale. Consider the fact that Jesus referred to this particular tree. He could have said anything. In another instance, when he's talking about mustard seed faith, he talks about a mountain. So he could have said, oh, if you say to this mountain, be thou removed, it'll be cast into the sea. But here he's talking about this type of tree. Think about the context. Jesus is equating offense and unforgiveness with a sycamine tree. It had invasive, destructive roots that had the potential to tear up whatever they reach. Offense and unforgiveness. They have a fruit that looks sweet but is bitter counterfeit that is difficult to eat. Unforgiveness and offense. Living in this bitterness, unforgiveness, and offense could be the death of a person. Then let's take a look at the mustard seed. The mustard seed doesn't really seem like anything special. Yes, it's small, and that's the thing that we really cling to, right? We, we fixate on the fact that this tiny little bit of faith this, this faith that's the size of a grain of mustard seed. But notice, he said, if you had faith as a grain of mustard seed. In this case, it's not interpreted as size. That was the important part. He's saying, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed. So let's see what mustard seeds are like. It's a weed. It grows well in disturbed soil and waste areas. It is considered invasive, and it produces a chemical that stops other seeds around it from germinating. 
it has a rapid growth rate and is self-fertile. So once it's planted, it will just keep reproducing itself. Once it's planted, it will sprout in three days. It is of the family Cruciferae, if you're taking notes, C-R-U-C-I-F-E-R-A-E, Cruciferae, meaning cross-bearing. Because the, the four petals of a mustard seed plant has little yellow flowers that are four petals in the shape of a cross. Yeah, that's why I say people, we need to know about this. <laughs> Booger. This is the type of faith, says Jesus, that would bring down mountains and pull up trees by the roots. Consider these truths about mustard seed faith. Not just that it's small. Okay, it's small. But it starts small but grows rapidly. That's the kind of faith that Jesus wants us to have. Faith does not have time for slow growth. Making up our minds to believe. Wavering back and forth. Am I going to trust? Am I not going to trust? I don't know. No matter how small your portion of faith may be, the time has come to grow it. It grows well in waste places and disturbed soil. Your life is never so ruined that powerful faith cannot grow there. That's where it grows best. Where things seem ruined, where things seem messed up, like they're never going to be all right. That's where faith, that's where mustard seed faith that is planted can grow. Plant that seed. Plant the seed. Oftentimes people have in their, they have little jewelry, a necklace or a bracelet or something with, with a mustard seed in it. As just a reminder, and I get that. But do not keep it enclosed in a necklace. Symbolically believing that all you need is one tiny grain alone. That's not, that's not what Jesus was saying. He said start with a tiny grain. That's fine to start that way. But don't let it be just one tiny grain that you rely on. You need to plant that. Plant it. Water it. Expose it to the sun. And see if in three days' time it will not hesitate to burst forth. Produce more faith in your life. Once cross-bearing blooms appear... It releases something that will not allow anything else to grow. So once that, once that faith springs up, it says, try me, bitterness. Try to grow here. Try me. Come at me, resentment. See if you can make your home here. Fear, hatred, be plucked up by the root. You are not allowed in this place. Remember, he said, you can say to that sycamine tree, be plucked up by 
the root. He didn't say just the tree would be thrown into the sea, but by the roots, by those destructive roots that want to dig into our heart, by that bitterness that wants to stay there. He said once you plant that faith, that seed of faith, that mustard seed of faith, it, you can say to that bitterness, you can say to that hurt, be thou plucked up by the root and cast into the sea. You cannot grow here anymore. There is only room in this place for faith. Faith makes it possible for the believer to daily bear the cross. The image of Christ has overtaken the available space in my heart and nothing else can live there. That crucifixion, that cross-bearing plant is within my heart. So, both of these plants that Jesus spoke about were considered invasive. Sycamine trees with their widespread root system they have the potential to destroy all things around it. Mustard plants to, that self-seed, grow quickly, take over an entire field. The same is true of unforgiveness, but also faith. Both can be invasive. Jesus warns us as believers not to give offense or be easily offended. And perhaps the reason that he says this, perhaps the reason that he tells us as Christians, be careful not to hurt any of these little ones, is because they have not yet learned the importance of cultivating mustard seed faith. For those of us who are mature in Christ, you know, sometimes it's aggravating. I'm not... Sometimes it's aggravating. People are like, people can be aggravating. I get that. Okay, I get it. Like, oh, why can't they just get over this or move past whatever? <laughs> but maybe they need to be shown an example of mustard seed faith. Maybe they need to understand to plant that and allow that to grow in their hearts instead of other things. And we don't need to be the cause of a root of bitterness being planted in their hearts. Those of us who are older in the Lord, hopefully wiser, should be concerned about the growth of others. When mustard seed faith has blossomed in our hearts, there will be less room for the roots of bitterness to take hold and destroy Remembering that mustard seed faith starts small but grows rapidly. It grows well in waste places and disturbed soil. And that once the cross bearing blooms appear, it releases a faith that will not allow anything else to grow. As the music plays, We ask the Lord to help us to move beyond the idea that the idea that all we need is just a tiny grain because that's, I don't believe. 
I don't believe that's what Jesus was saying. I believe that he's saying you need to plant that one. If all you got right now is one tiny grain, you need to plant it so it becomes more. So today, as we pray, let us ask that Jesus plant that seed, that seed of faith, and let that be the only thing that grows. And if there's any bitterness, that He would dig it up. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your goodness. We thank you for your mercy and your blessings and your grace. Thank you, God, that you enable us to have the type of faith that will move mountains, the type of faith that will tear up roots of bitterness. And Father, if there's anyone here today who is struggling, I ask that you help. Father, we, we come before you humbly. If we have caused offense, if we have with our legalism or our dogmatism or our attitude, God, if we have with our own personal agenda hurt people, we ask your forgiveness. Lord, if we have offended one of your little ones, God, if we've hurt those who are struggling already, we ask your forgiveness. And we ask you to give us wisdom that we would not cause a stumbling block for our brother or sister but that we would have such concern for their well-being that we would be kind and gentle in showing the truth to them. Father God, I pray for each person here who may be hurt, who may have been offended. I ask that you would give us the strength that if we need to go to that person and rebuke them and say, you know what, this, this hurt me. And I'd like for us to work this out. God, I pray that you would give us the wisdom and the maturity and the courage to do that. Father, I ask that any root of bitterness that's making its way into our hearts that would be dug up and plucked out and cast into the sea. Father God, I pray that each and every person here, of course we've all been given a measure of faith, but even if all we have is just one tiny little seed, I ask that today it be planted within our hearts and we know that it will multiply and it will grow and it will accomplish great and mighty things. Father, I ask you that you would increase our faith Increase our faith, God. I pray for each and every person. You see the needs that we brought in with us. And I pray that those needs would be met 
by you. You're the only one who can. Father, we thank you. We thank you. We receive the faith that you give. We receive an increase. We ask that the soil of our hearts be prepared to receive the faith that you have. We thank you, God. We praise you. And Father, today, I pray over your people. Not just words, but the right of a priest to say, May the Lord bless you. May he keep you. Make his face to shine upon you. Be gracious unto you and give you his peace. In Jesus' precious name, we thank you. We praise you. Amen.